Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, give us your Holy Spirit now to illumine the very word of God to us, that we may be molded and changed by you, the living Lord. Jesus, thank you that you have come to this earth to live with us, die for us, rise again, paying the penalty for our sin, greeting us with grace, and would we know your welcome of grace here this morning. Spirit, bring us into your presence that we would receive you, that we would be sent as agents of your peace, love, and joy to live, speak, and serve Jesus as your presence in this world. Be with us now, we pray, O Lord, in your name and for your sake. Amen. You may be seated. One of my favorite places on earth to go is the place where I get to go a few times a year. That's Western Pennsylvania to my dad's farm where my dad grew up. So some of you know different parts of my backstory. My dad grew up in Western Pennsylvania on that very farm, about an hour north of Pittsburgh. That farm stayed in the family maybe for, or it has stayed in the family for about 100 years or so and counting. So it's been in the family for a long time. And... In the 1960s, my mom and dad moved to New Orleans, part of the space program and stuff. So I grew up in New Orleans, but every summer we would go back up to Western PA, to Ford City, Pennsylvania, rural farming country, and spend time on the farm. And it was in the 1990s, when I was in high school, where my dad began to say, retirement, or at least semi-retirement, is not that far off. And for my retirement and semi-retirement, I think I want to go live on the farm, which sounded great to me because I loved visiting there. And he said, and I really, really want to live in the barn. And I was like, question, isn't the barn for animals? And my dad said, no, not anymore. So he undertook this renovation project, and it took a while, architects and building plans and builders, to renovate that barn into a living space. And Like I said, it it took some time and care, and the goal was to preserve as much of the original stuff as possible, but then also to update it, make it livable, and so on for people, not just for animals. And the renovations went well, and if you visit the barn today, you can see a lot of the original wood, 
The frame is the same frame. The barn was built in 1903, I believe. It's the same original frame, a lot of old touches. The same basic layout of the barn is kind of the same. And my dad, to this day, if you ever find yourselves at that barn, my dad will offer you and really, really want you to say yes to his invitation to give you a tour around the, around the place. And he'll say, this is where, this was the hay mow. This was the hay hook over here where you had to hoist the hay onto the second level. This is where the animals were and so on. So you can learn a little bit about barns in Western Pennsylvania. And I don't know if this terminology stays in Western Pennsylvania or, or goes a little bit farther, but I learned through the process that at my dad's barn, there is such a thing as a man door. And that's a man door, not because women can't go through it, so it's not men versus women, it's a human door. Because the main door and the front door for the barn is for animals, not for people. But if you're wondering if every once in a while, when we're getting back to the barn, when we're all visiting out there, if I might perchance say something like, I will take the man door, I would hit the over on, on that wager. So there's a barn with, yes, a man door. But there's another building on the property and that's the old farmhouse. And the old farmhouse was built around the same time as the barn. And after my dad renovated the barn, I just figured, well, that old farmhouse is basically falling down. Why don't you go ahead and we're going to renovate the farmhouse too to update it, make it nice. And my dad said, yeah, we got to do something about the barn. But back in the mid-90s to late 90s, he said, we're going to have to tear it down. We're not going to be able to renovate it. And also, apparently, farmers building things 100 years ago, they, they put a ton of time into making sure the barn would stay forever when they would build barns. But farmhouses are just for people. Don't worry about it. If it's not well built, it doesn't really matter. My dad said, that thing is falling apart. It was beat, built piecemeal. The footprint was constantly expanded. At one point, not only my grandma Jessie and my dad and my aunt Helen were living on one side, they built another side for another family, for my aunt Mabel and Uncle Yummy. Everybody should have an Uncle Yummy. So there's tiny dual kitchens on the old farmhouse, and the place was a glorious mess where it literally had no foundation. The roof was totally janky because it was built out at different times, and you always had to fit the old roof to the new roof. The frame was tilted, and I spent my summer before senior year of college at the old farmhouse. And it was like the 1960s Batman show, where whenever the villains were filmed, they were crooked. The, the bedroom that I stayed in and spent a lot of time reading and studying during the day was on a severe angle. And if you're wondering, if you stay in a room that's on a tilt for three months straight, will that affect your mental health? The answer is yes, it will. So it, I was just on, a, on crooked, literally, all, all summer. So my dad said, we've got to tear it down and build it from scratch. The foundation's not right. The roof isn't right. The frame isn't right. And if we just make it a little bit better, and update things on the outside or change a fixture here and a fixture there, it's just going to be window dressing. We've got to start over and go from the inside out. Now, 
like we were talking about last week a little bit. New Year, January, start of 2024, is always a season where we're inundated with lots of messages and invitations in different ways to start this resolution for New Year's, this new rhythm, this life hack, or this app, so that you can have a new you. And if you do these things in these ways, you're going to be a newer, better, wholer, youer you. And for the most part, there's a good, good amount of wisdom in all this different stuff that, that, that you can do. And yeah, probably can get a little bit of a better version of yourself out of a lot of these things. But at the same time, if the message is by and large, if you do these things, you'll be changed. I feel like the Bible and the Holy Scriptures are a little bit of a fly in that ointment or something that, that shows a flaw in the system in this way. As far as how human beings are constructed, how we're put together, if the idea is I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do that and therefore I'll be different and I'll be changed, from the perspective of the scriptures, that's actually a flawed way of thinking about who we are as people and how we actually change. The Bible says, yeah, changing stuff about what you do is super important. But for real change, on the other hand, you've got to go deeper and start on the inside, like the farmhouse. Renovate from the ground up with the Holy Spirit in your life Change doesn't come from changing this and changing that on the outside, but from the ground building all the way up again. And that's what Jesus offers us all the time, including in this new year. How might we be a newer, better, wholer, youer you and me? We need Jesus. And by Jesus, change is possible. So let's talk in three parts from here. I put the number two up. That was incorrect. Three parts from here. Let's talk from Colossians chapter two, the middle of the chapter. Let's talk about then and then now and then what? Then and now and what? So we're moving along, like I said, at the very beginning in the book of Colossians, taking our time, going slowly on purpose so we can really marinate in this letter of Paul to the Colossian church. And as we read from Colossians here in the middle, Paul's been stating this whole time that Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all you need. And the fullness that you're seeking as a human being is to be found in this Jesus and not in brand X. Whatever brand X might be, that's not where you find everything and fullness in the way that you find it in Jesus, the Lord of life. Don't go in these directions, and this is the place where Paul says and gets into more specifics about what's going on in the Colossian church, about what they're doing wrong. We're getting into the specifics of Paul saying, don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do that, which is great because he's been alluding to it all up to this point. And these four verses here are pretty much the place in all of the letter to the Colossians where Paul is the most granular, the most specific where he says, okay, this is what I want you to stop doing. Sounds great, 
but it also gets a little challenging at this point. And this is a preacher problem and not a people problem. My problem, not your problem. But there are some interpretive challenges here in a couple different directions, namely two. What's Paul talking about? That's a challenge. And then also, how do we apply it? As far as what Paul is talking about here, he mentioned some specific things, but different Bible commentators and scholars through the centuries, from the very early church, have struggled to say, okay, it's a little bit like the, the story of the blind people and the elephant, where feeling the elephant over here, feeling a different part of the elephant over here, then the people that have felt those different parts get back together, but still have trouble putting together the whole elephant. Or an iceberg, if you see a little bit of ice over here and a little bit of ice above sea level over here, how you fill out the whole totality of the iceberg underwater takes some interpretive choices because you don't see everything. So let's look again at 16 to 18 in Colossians chapter 2. What are these different things that are poking up through the water as part of the iceberg? Paul says, okay, there's questions about food and drink. There's a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath in verse 16. and verse 17, there's language of shadows and substance. Then again in verse 18, something's going on with asceticism, but then also worship of angels and visions, sensuous mind. These things are part of what whole. And Bible commentators will come back again and say, Colossae, Asia Minor, there's some spectrum here, there's some combination of Judaistic, Judaism, Old Testament, Hebrew scriptures, beliefs, and then also Greco-Roman world. And the majority of the commentators will say it's probably Judaistic primary and then also Greco-Roman secondary, but some combination of both of those things. So if you think about it, Sabbaths, and in Judaism there's new moon festivals, and food and drink laws, that, that's all from the Old Testament. But then this language, if you know a little bit of Plato, the ancient philosopher, shadows and substance, allegory of the cave. Maybe there's some of that sort of Greco-Roman philosophy going on right there. Some combination, Paul is saying, don't do that. How do we figure out what's going on? And then also the application part. Now, I don't mean to offend you if I'm getting this wrong, but probably most of you here in the room and also worshiping with us online on this cold Sunday, most of you probably are not going crazy about new moons and weird Sabbath practices and angel worship and visions. If you are, stop it. Mission accomplished for this sermon. But I think for most of us, we're probably not literally doing these things and it's not enough to say don't do these specific things what what's the upshot so what preachers will do with this passage is they will boil down and to move forward in order to move forward and admittedly this is the then part still 10 different preachers are going to take 10 different tacks on how to boil down and move forward all we can do is try to be as warranted as possible it's not my job as a preacher to go on flights of fancy to say Paul probably thought this, but I think something totally different instead. I, th I think this is a fair way to boil it down. What are they doing that we also should not do? In the Colossian church, these early Christians were practicing some unhelpful, unhealthy, unbiblical combination of asceticism and indulgence. 
asceticism on one hand and indulgence on the other. Asceticism, you get that word in verse 18. Asceticism just kind of means being really disciplined and structured and restrictive and limiting about what you consume one way or another or what you'll do. And the asceticism we see in verse 16, so the food and drink laws do less. Don't just eat everything and drink everything. And then also with new moons and Sabbaths, there are special restrictions on what would otherwise be liberty in these specific things. But then you also have in verse 18 what's probably some indulgence, where the angel worship, going overboard, doing it too much, what's going on there? And then also sensuality or, or visions. You're going way too much in this direction, indulgence, but then also way too restrictive on the other, asceticism. And so in the Colossian church, and this is where we, be, where we begin to go from then to now, they're practicing some combination of Judaistic and Greco-Roman asceticism and indulgence in such a way that it's not Jesus. And Paul is saying, stop, don't do those things because it's not Christ. And it's subtracting from the everything, the fullness that we are called to receive graciously by faith by the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And so now, what are some ways in which we, as modern Western people, might go too far in either of these directions? Asceticism or indulgence. And I'll just pick a couple for you. Been emailing back and forth Josh Postlewaite and Angel Garcia working on a Lenten sermon series. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think I've mentioned this from the pulpit before. Seven deadly sins are coming up. For, for, for Lent. It, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be delicious, the seven deadly sins. And so let, let's think about these two, gluttony and lust. And culturally here in the West, views of gluttony and lust have changed radically over time. So think back maybe 200 years, generalizations, maybe Victorian England, gluttony good, lust bad, in this sense. So Back then, there was a positive correlation, for example, between wealth and weight. Gluttony, yeah, take it all in. But w for biblical boundaries, as, as far as sexual practice, it seems like there was just a lot less. Like, let's forget that that's part of the human person at all. Let's just press it down, press it down, press it down. That's the asceticism. Restrict, 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 restrict. Fast forward to the late modern West, 2024. Absolutely the opposite where when we think about what we take into our body, gluttony, and I think that's going to be the first sermon series from the Seven Dead Deadly Sins, restrict, 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 restrict. What you eat, what you drink, what you ingest, be super on guard about what you take in. For a lot of us here in the late modern West, but lust. Sexual practice, biblical boundaries, they're bad. Let's just get rid of them and do whatever you want. Say yes to that whenever you can. Yes, 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 more, more, more. But when it comes to what you take into our, in your body, no, 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 less, 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 less. Totally switched. And if you're somebody that struggles with a couple of these aspects of Christianity or just in general, you're still piecing together faith stuff and, and you might think, well, gluttony bad, lust should be okay. That, that, that's good for people, right? And maybe the Bible's wrong or off base with some of these things. I would only mention at this point, this idea of being a whole human person in this way, 
is really new in the history of the world. Even if, as we think pharmacologically, I just want to scrabble there, Ozempic and Viagra, even if it could have been invented and made 200 years ago, it wouldn't have been. Because people would have said, Ozempic, why do we need to restrict what we take in? And Viagra, who cares? That's not important for being a human being. But pharmaceuticals go as far as what we value and what we don't and in what ways. And so for whatever it is for us, for you, let's do an idle check. For whatever you take in or don't, where are you in too much indulgence or too much asceticism? What volume levels for you are turned up way too high? More, 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 more. Yes, 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 yes. And if I have these things, I'll be satisfied. I'll have security. I get my identity. And all these things are perfect. Or, same sign, but less, 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 less. No, 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 no. And that's how we become a good and full person. Some examples of asceticism, and try these on for size. This might not be you, but I just want to give you some examples. Asceticism, discipline, limit. I'm not going to jump into all of these things. Politics, consuming a lot of political news. Or it can be body, or it can be media and screens, or maybe it's just your job where you say, okay, new year, new me. I'm going to be a better, newer, wholer, me or me. And election season, it's coming again, church family. We're going to have to love each other well through another one of these things. But you might say, I'm going to block it all out. No, 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 less, 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 so that I can be a whole and full person. Or a lot of asceticism when it comes to body. No, 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 no. Or when it comes to screens and media. I, I have friends that go on podcast detoxes where there's just way too much. I'm going to be quiet in my own brain right now. Or social media, or binging on Netflix, less, 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 or job. I've been working way too much, we might think. I'm going to do less. Or what might we do as far as indulgence? More, 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 more. It can be the same stuff. It's an election season. So I am going whole hog on the consuming political news buffet. And this is going to give me what I need. Or I was really careful with what I took into my body in 2023. I'm going to be a lot less so in 2024. It's going to be fine. Or this is the year job-wise where I'm going to really put my nose to the grindstone and work super hard, and it's going to be great. Or, hey, there's all these things that I've been meaning to get to as far as media consumption. Now I'm going to be able to do it. Whatever it is, what are your way too much and not enough so that you can get a sense of secure self. Whatever it is, in the language of Paul in verse 17 here, those are only shadows, and the substance is Jesus Christ. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And so in the original Colossian context, whatever exactly combination of asceticism and indulgence, Judaistic worldview, Old Testament worldview, and Greco-Roman worldview, Paul is saying whatever you're pursuing there, the marrow, the core, 
of the fullness that you're trying to seek is not in doing more of that and less of that. It's in Jesus Christ. That's the substance. And in this new year or whenever, that's what we need to believe and lean into as well. Because Jesus is where the everything is. The author of the New Testament book of Hebrews puts it this way at one point. For since the law has but a shadow, and this is more going in the Old Testament Hebrew direction, since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, all those laws, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. And God had revealed himself truly in all of those Hebrew scriptures, so it's not to denigrate what had gone before in terms of God's redemptive history. The author of Hebrews is just saying here, something better, the fullness has now come. And so for you, whatever your idols are, more, 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 less, 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 me, 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 are those the things that are going to deliver you? Are those the things that are going to save you? Are those the things that are going to satisfy you? Are those the things that are going to change you? And the scriptures come back and say they will not. So then, now, what? As far as what's being produced in us. Over the last year or so, I've been going back more and more to what the Apostle says in his letter to the Galatian church about the fruit of the Spirit. And these couple of verses are, are foundational in my thinking at this point about what does it mean to be a human person renewed in Jesus. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit of the Spirit, which is a gift of the Spirit to us, these are things that God is intent on growing inside of us and are honoring to Jesus. More than that, even if you're here this morning not fully committed to following Jesus, still putting pieces together, I think there would be broad agreement culturally still that these are good things. Human flourishing will be going pretty well overall if people are filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are good things. Right? Next question. Will asceticism and indulgence get you those things? And the biblical answer is no. Will more, 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 and less, 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 yes, 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 no, 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 actually grow in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? They might do some good. But at the end of the day, no. They're not going to change you because that's working from the outside in as opposed to the inside out, like the old farmhouse. And you might say, well, for me, some of these mores and lesses, are, they're, they're foundational, core to my identity. And I would come back and say, maybe you're putting too much weight on those things. And those pegs are going to start to break if we put all of our personhood chips just on these couple of things what if there's something deeper that god is after in you the fruit of the spirit and i think in a lot of cases what fruit is produced when we think through doing a lot more of this and a lot less of that 
produces a lot of judgment within communities. Paul mentions judgment twice in this little passage in Colossians at the beginning of verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Or verse 18, let no one disqualify you. More, 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 less, 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 a lot of judgment. And isn't it true for us as a culture that we are continually, felt this in 2016, felt it in 2020, we're going to feel it in 2024, more tribal and less whole. But Jesus renovates us instead from the inside out to give us the fruit of the Spirit. We were talking last week about definitive sanctification. Go back and listen to that sermon to get all the good theology historically that, that comes out of that. If you believe in Jesus, bottom line, you're born again, which is another way of saying you have been renovated and definitively sanctified, made holy by the Holy Spirit coming into your life. You now have a new heart, and there is a new principle of the divine inside of you. Just because God promised that he'd do it. And that's like giving the farmhouse a new and different foundation. And that's what connects us to Jesus as our head, which Paul talks about. Jesus is the head in verse 19. Holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Jesus nourishes us individually and collectively. Paul uses that same image in a different letter and says it this way. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, the church, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What do we need as a community in 2024 or any year? It's not a bunch of laws. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. Paul, writing to the churches in so many of his different letters, says, in a world of judgment, as it was then, so it is now, what we need is Jesus to keep us together. And it's not only that sanctification part, but last week we talked, too, about justification. As we receive Jesus His goodness, his righteousness, because he paid the penalty for us on the cross, comes over us so that if you believe in Jesus, you are completely, forever, no matter what, crazy, right? Forgiven. Where God says, I love you because I love you because I love you because I love you. That's what the cross is all about. And so this is where we'll wrap up. Seek nourishment in Jesus the head. And seek nourishment in the body of Christ. Maybe for some of us, part of a good New Year's resolution would be, I I need to lean in to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Jesus. I've been a lone ranger spiritually for too long. Let me do more. Uh, Home meetings are a great way to do this. Uh, Home meeting leaders, we're meeting after lunch today. It's going to be a good time to debrief about the fall. A couple of our home meetings are still accepting new members. That's great. Feel free to sign them if you haven't. But whatever it is, And as you lean in, give yourself that idol inventory as well, where you can reorder all of your idols. And for some of your idols, it's like, wow, you know, I probably shouldn't put this as a hood ornament on my car that dominates everything about me, but it's actually a pretty good thing. So hood ornament to the car, not so great. On my shelf somewhere at home, that's where it should be. In other cases, it should just go in the trash. 
But whatever it is, the mores and the yeses, because Jesus is intent on giving us that newer, better, wholer, you or you, as we receive him by faith, live out the fruit of the Spirit, and engage in fruitful mission as we live, speak, and serve as Jesus' very presence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.